It's on. We got one, Crisp. We got one struggle bus. There we go. Now we're well, on. <laughs> well, you know how it goes on this show. If it's uh, it's not a bit of a struggle bus on one front or another, um, you know. We find a way to make it. This is not the show, but by God, here we are. (laughs) We find a way to make it work going through all the pain and suffering that we do for it. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Covert Show, number 78, for those of you keeping score on the books. And we got another good one for you this week. We got plenty of NFL talk to go over as the conference championships for the NFC and the AFC keep rolling into town this weekend, starting on Sunday. Games at 2 and 5.30. We got some NHL for JC. We'll bring you a little bit of some college basketball action since, you know, March is a month around the corner after February, of course. But conference games are starting to heat up there. And, guys, we just got a whole bunch of other slews to talk about because, you know, this podcast never ceases to just stay directly on course, hence why a lot of our episodes go an hour and a half over. So, without further ado, I think it's everybody's favorite segment of the podcast show because everybody knows we have now started this weird-ass trend of we're your top meteorologists in the Midwest. And so this weather report, once again, brought to you by the good old Bush Latte. So we wish. We freaking wish because <laughs> we're going to keep saying that until they decide to, you know, hear this show and sponsor <laughs> us. But regardless, if you guys are living in Iowa and especially just living around in the Midwest here, you guys have been dealing with the wonderful word that is fog. And I mean, it has been here for like four straight days, especially in Iowa. Winterset has been freaking awful with it. And we've just been around the clock hammered by it. So. There we go. We got dense fog advisories being around the clock, especially in different counties across the state of Iowa. I don't know many other states that it stretches across. But, guys, tomorrow we get a little bit of this wonderful thing called the sun. What's that? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank God. Oh, my goodness. I, I just don't. That's the one thing. Like, I will say this. Besides the, like, four days that we got hammered with snow... And the only, like, week and a half to just two-week strand of a short stint so far, I can't say anything for the rest of it, but so far, we've only had two bad weeks of winter weather. Knock on wood. I'll knock on my head because there's nothing in there to hurt. But just, I mean, to my knowledge, we really haven't had a whole lot here in Iowa, at least, in the Midwest across the state. Well, states, other but, than that week of, like... Ice, cold, 50 below temps we had for like four days in a row. But, I mean, that that was only like a week. I mean, that was child's play compared yeah, to like the I, I guess, cold that we had. I guess, you know, all in all, it's been all right. So, so here you go. You're talking about the dense fog advisories. There was a day uh, back on Thursday, I think, where like legitimately the middle third of the U.S. was nothing but dense fog oh. advisories. And, like, okay, you know, you think about it. If it wasn't January, it wouldn't be as weird. Yeah. But it's so weird. And even now, as we're recording this Friday night at 10, there's dense fog advisories for Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, parts of Iowa, parts of Missouri, half of Illinois, parts of Wisconsin, uh, parts of Indiana, like five counties in Michigan, 
Ohio, uh, parts of New York, parts of Florida have a dense fog advisory going. Um, flash flood warnings currently oh, at the time of this recording for Louisiana. It's interesting out there. We'll just say that. Uh, and then you go out to a winter storm watch out in good old uh, Massachusetts. So yeah, better them than us. The weather has not been kind. Like it's, I feel like it's like the small irritating stuff. Like, a, like you said, a dense fog advisory in the middle of January. It's like, okay, that's, that's like come March and April when it's just everything is starting to kind of like all of it's evaporating and it's getting a little bit warmer and the mornings are foggy and everything like that. Cause I mean, in 2022, I remember going hunting a couple of times for turkeys in the morning and it was fo- like, I couldn't even see 15 yards in front of me, like even to the tree line. Like that's when fog, I typically see it or like at the beginning of the fall when it's really starting to like go through that temperature change, but I never see it this bad in January. And when you can so to add, oh, it's bad. To add to that, we have dense fog advisories for New Jersey, uh, parts of Pennsylvania, parts of Delaware, parts of Maryland. Uh, we talked about a couple of winter storm uh, watches for parts of uh, Massachusetts and New York. Uh, going up to dense fog, dense fog advisories again for parts of Vermont. And New York, I think I talked about those. But yeah, it's it's a little bit of everything and a little bit of everywhere. Uh, also, notably, as I uh, somehow managed to click through it, uh, looks like parts of Louisiana also have a dense fog advisory currently. Uh, also, some varying flood watches, warnings, uh, and then some more. Flood watches currently through parts of good old Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, West Virginia, Ohio, Virginia. Uh, looks like part of uh, North Carolina, maybe some of South Carolina too. Uh, and then let's not forget our friends out in the good old North uh, Northwest with uh, some winter weather advisories out in good old Washington state. So there you go. That's kind of a comprehensive look for the most part of our weather. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention in our last podcast, uh, looking at oh, their, their radar is weird. Um, Alaska. Well, oh, so boy. we have our normal radar and then Alaska's just casually got Heavy freezing spray watch, I think, uh, as well as storm watch, gale warning, small craft advisory. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot going on out there, but yeah, there you go. That's our weather forecast for you. You know, our new segment. As long as there's something interesting to talk about when we record, you know, it's oh, a yeah. good segment, and I we just got to run with it now. You know, Ray's energy had its moment with us uh, that we haven't oh, talked no. about in legitimately probably a full year, and we're just, you know, that's all I'm going to say about this. This may be the new, you know, Ray's you energy. throw it in every episode. So, yeah, there that's you go. Blast funny. from the past. Oh, it's my. one of those, if you know, you know, and if you don't, well, oh. go listen to an old episode, and well, that'll, that'll teach you what you need to know. 
if you're if you're one of the covert show faithful, you guys probably got a kick out of that cuz I will say I was thinking about that last week. I thought about it and I was think I was getting ready to say it, but I was like, "Nah, that that ship has kind of sailed, man. Like it's just it drifted off into the sunset. It had its moments." But yet once again, the meme oh, the meme has God. faded off. That's funnier than hell. But Speaking of memes and things that have kind of gone off, we'll kind of run with this segment first because, I mean, the cliche in the meme that the Lions are a team that can't get past that hump of winning in the playoffs has completely gone out of the books. I saw on Instagram that in this century so far, the uh, Detroit Lions have more appearances than the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. And that is a whopping one. But nonetheless, after the divisional rounds of last week, we go into the NFC and AFC title games. Baltimore routes Houston 34-10 after it was a close first half for Houston and C.J. Stroud. But Baltimore's offense and Lamar Jackson finally start getting it done. Lamar Jackson, a front runner for the MVP candidacy, as well as the counterpart, that is on the NFC side, and Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy as well in some MVP conversation. The Niners end up beating the Packers in a close game, and I will say, I picked the Packers to win this, and I did. You took say, a lot of L's last week. Buddy. I did, but yeah. I did. I did say this though. I said the Packers will lose if they miss a last or if they miss a field goal late, or they throw a pick in the last couple of seconds. That's how they will lose, and that's that's the narrative, that's the storyline, that's the book ending that just keeps closing on the Packers every single season they play in the playoffs. And you know what happened? They missed a field goal in the fourth quarter within the last six minutes, and then there was a pick in the last seconds. Well, last I hate to drive. break it to you, buddy, but an L is an L. It is an L. It is an L. You know what's an L as well? Oh boy. The ending of the Detroit Tampa game oh. where Tampa with a timeout and like thirty some seconds. Yeah. A Detroit snaps the ball too soon. B Tampa doesn't even try. Yeah. How do you not try to at least I mean, stop it and give yourself a chance? Weird game, but you know, good oh. for the Detroit Lions. They get past. Uh and then final game. The game that, you know, America wanted a certain team to probably not win, and then uh, that certain team won, uh, is unfortunately one step closer to becoming a dynasty like the New England Patriots were in their time. Kansas City wins again. If you're eye-rolling like I am, cheers to that. Yes, because sir. that was the singular game I got wrong. Speaking of missing field goals, Buffalo took their uh, heritage real seriously by missing an important field goal, getting flashbacks to the 1990s. You hate to see it if you're a Buffalo fan. Dude. Uh, You hate to see it if you're me because then I would have been perfect in my picks last week. Uh, For those keeping score, 7 of 10 is how many I've gotten right. 4 of 10 for old Nick. Uh, through the first two rounds of the playoffs. So there you go. What I thought was, I can't say funny, but it was so ironic. I believe it was in the 90, what was it? I think it was 93, because didn't they go 92, 93, 94, 95? Wasn't that the years or they, something? Let me, let me double check this, because I think it was 89, 90, 
1991, 92, I'm pretty sure. I thought it was, no, I thought it was in the 90s. I got to remember that. But yeah, 90, 91, and 92 is the 90s. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying like all their losses were in the 90s. I don't think they had any losses in the 80s of, of Super Bowl because the four consecutive Super Bowls, four Super Bowl losses. If I could type Super Bowls, good Lord. So in the order of Super Bowl losses, they would lose 90, 91, 92, and 93. Uh, that Super Bowl, uh, in order, they had the, would have been 91, but for the 90 season when they lost to the Giants by one, they old uh, Scott Norwood miss. <laughs> yeah. And then it was all, uh, and then I think their second one was to Washington, I'm pretty sure. And then obviously they got turned every which way but loose in back-to-back seasons by the uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, including a 52-17 to romp yeah. in, uh, I believe, what would be the third of four consecutive Super Bowl losses. Correct. As uh, Dallas would uh, pile it on in the fourth quarter in a game that was already uh, 31-17. Dallas took them to the cleaners, finished the job, and uh, got the win there. And that's pretty much the last time Dallas has been relevant either. So uh, Buffalo is slowly becoming the new Dallas in a certain sense of get a lot of hype, get a lot of hype, but your last five playoff appearances, wild card, wild card, conference championship, and two divisional appearances, all of which were losses. Routed. Well, and I thought it was... Not great. I think, and this is where I was going with that, when I was talking about the Jet, like the Bills-Giants, the Scott Norwood kick, you watch it, and it hooks wide right, and the same thing happened to Zach Moss. It hooks wide right, and talk about an irony of a one-score game to put you get you to try to go into overtime to get you to win a Super Bowl back in 91. I mean, that's just the irony for the bills right now is just, it, it doesn't sit pretty, but I will say this shout out to good old retired Travis Kelsey, because that man was having the time of his damn life. And honestly, he better be at the, or the AFC championship, because I would much rather see that than good old Swifty sitting in the box. Give me, well, you know, Jason Kelsey is going to be, you know Jason Kelsey is going to be hanging out with T-Swift. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, dude, Man. he's he's entertaining. He's fun. He'll do that stuff. That depends she who you has... <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. I'll I'll throw my hat in the ring. I would rather see Jason Kelsey over Taylor Swift. Sorry, not sorry, Swifties. Y'all can go watch football with your boyfriends and sit there and do that. I will sit there and watch for Jason Kelsey and also watch for the game. Because that's the important part. So as the conference championships go by, I know. I'm throwing a lot of shade. I've gotten gotten tired of it, man. It's it's like watching – I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's – they blew it so out of proportion. Like, I get that she's there. I get that she's famous. I get it's cool. But it's like when they show – like, when they show all the stars once – at a game, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Eminem is in attendance or, like, this is in attendance. But it's like, you don't have to do that every time. Like, show me show me the Lions 66 season ticket holder every freaking game for the rest of the playoffs. That man is the happiest dude on the face of the earth right now. He has held 
season tickets for the Lions for 66 seasons. And he finally gets to see a conference champion, an NFC championship game and a potential chance for the Lions to go to their first ever Super Bowl. But the sad thing for that man is they have to go past the San Francisco 49ers and the explosive offense that that is. Now, if they can follow the script on how the Packers played them defensively and make San Francisco look bad like they did, sure, by all means, I'm, I'm happy for the Lions. But I got to ride the San Francisco wave on this. I think Brock Purdy gets back to or gets a, his chance at redemption and gets to the Super Bowl riding on that in the NFC title game. Now, I will say this. If Detroit would win, my pick is San Francisco, but if Detroit would win, I'm a Detroit Lions fan for the Super Bowl. There is 100% I am a Detroit Lions fan for wow. the Super Bowl. I would love to see Dan Campbell and this team of just absolute dogs get it done. Because, I mean, they. this is the funny part that you like look at the Lions and you say, okay, this team is good. Talent-wise, matched up against every other team in the league, and especially the last four teams standing, they're kind of on the lowest point of the talent poll. I mean, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown. You've got Laporta out there on the tight end. They just picked up Zach Ertz from the Cardinals, and I think he's getting lifted off of the practice squad um, coming up for this, for this NFC championship. You have Jared Goff, who is not a Super Bowl contending quarterback, but this last season he's picked it up for Detroit, and he's looked very good. He's looked like a comfortable Jared Goff. He's got a good system going. So, And then you've got um, Jameer Gibbs as a running back for Detroit. And then throw it to Dan Campbell. This man shows you how to make it a team and shows you how to compete. He's built a culture in Detroit that is just basically, we're going to try to outplay you and we're going to outlast you. And yeah, if you beat us, you beat us, but we're going to come back and we're going to come back stronger. And that's exactly what this team has done week in, week out in this NFL season. So like I said, San Francisco for the NFC title game. I know it was long-winded. If Detroit wins, I'm rooting for Detroit in the Super Bowl. Who do you got, JC, in the NFC game? Well, you know what? I mean, you couldn't have pep-talked my pick any better while absolutely (laughs) trashing your own pick. I love it because it means I have to talk less about it. I... (laughs) have been critical of Detroit forever because they've been a running joke. This feels like if there's a team of destiny this year, this team feels like a team of destiny. As somebody, like I've talked about, that doesn't necessarily watch all, hasn't <clears throat> watched a lot of games this year, give me the Detroit Lions to Hell make yeah. the Super Bowl appearance and uh, keep the upset train rolling. I guess technically it hasn't been an upset to this point, but give me the Detroit Lions. Hell yeah. I like it. And we'll talk about something else here after this one because this will be a funny one to talk about because we've talked about the scripted NFL before, so we'll get into that. AFC title game. Baltimore beats Houston. Kansas City beats Buffalo. I'm going with the Ravens on this one because I know how Kansas City plays in the playoffs. I know their team. I know Mahomes. I know Kelsey. They've got um, Pacheco, and Isaiah Pacheco is running his ass off. I mean, the kid is a contender. He is absolutely making his making his presence known in Kansas City. But I think that this Ravens team has been arguably week in, week out in the NFL, the best team in the league, and they are showing it. And they're they're riding high, and Lamar Jackson is really pushing for it. So I got the Ravens over Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl. Let me talk about this matchup in the respect of 
look at what Baltimore has done this year to certain teams. They've had their games in the division where you go, what the hell happened there? 59 or 56 to 19, they beat the Dolphins. 33 to 19, they body the 49ers, who that score doesn't necessarily reflect how that game really went. Baltimore really controlled that one throughout. Uh, you look at 37 to three against Seattle, uh, 38 to six against Detroit, 28 to three against the Browns, who were a playoff team. 25 to 9 against the Texans the first time, 34 to 10 in the last round, 24 to nothing in the second half. Lamar Jackson, 16 of 22, 152 yards, two tutties, plus running for 11 carries, 100 yards, and two more. Give me the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson is finally, finally going to get over this hump of being dodgy at best in the playoffs. Uh, Give me the Ravens as uh, they'll make their first appearance since 2012, believe it or not. Uh, As uh, Lamar Jackson will end a run where it's a wild card loss, division, division, wild card, division loss. Ravens last Super Bowl appearance, they got the job done in 2012, defeating the San Francisco 49ers in the famous game where Baltimore was bodying the 49ers. And then miraculously, the lights turned off. So, you know, seemed sketchy at the time, and I still think it was uh, dodgy at best. But give me the Ravens and the AFC Ravens, Lions, rack them and stack them. Ravens, Lions for JC, Ravens, Niners for Nick. So here's the funny part. I'm going with the narrative of the script. JC you is sure going are. against the narrative of the script because if anybody knows what we're talking about here, the Super Bowl logo has been a conversational topic for now the last four years. Yeah. Four years. So, and if anybody's looking, it predicts the two la- or the two teams standing in the Super Bowl. Well, I should say three years because this is the third year that they've done it. And they're looking to see the colors. So, in the first year, it was orange and yellow, so it was the Rams and the Bengals out of the last three years. Then last year, it was red and green, so it was the Eagles and the Chiefs, and everybody's thinking, okay, so was this projected, like, this is a Mandela effect kind of idea. Was it that way before the season started, or was it that way in the middle of the season? And I believe, if I remember correctly, it was that before. So this year, it was purple and red. And so now they're thinking that it's supposed to be the Niners and the Ravens going... I would kind of personally like to, like I said, see, I've got San Francisco, but I would love to see Detroit just mess up the narrative, and that's where JC is going along with the narrative. So if you guys think that the NFL is scripted based on color of the Super Bowl logo, then by all means, you guys do that. I personally think that if it happens three times, it, it kind of gets to be a scary coincidence. Now, here's the fun fact. This is the fourth-year logo, and it's supposed to be green and purple. The green and purple... There's a theory on it. So there's two teams that have purple in their colors, the Vikings and the Ravens. So could the Ravens possibly get back to or go back to back-to-back Super Bowls? But if you look at the teams in green, you've got the Eagles, Jets, Packers, and who who is the other team? One that cuz the Dolphins are technically teal. 
Mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta look back at the logos here. I was, I was doing so good. I was, I was on a roll. Yeah, I mean, the first take on that is oh, Seattle. Seattle being they've which got, color? They've green? got green. They've got green in the logo. They got green on their uniforms. On their old logo. Yeah, give me the Ravens there. and give me the Eagles, man. That's too easy. If that's the colors for next year, there is no other team you listed that's even a contender for the Super Bowl next year. So that's that's the theory, because then you would go with the Ravens being on the AFC side, and then you got um you've got the Eagles on the NFC. I saw this funny fan theory of if it was for the AFC because Aaron Rodgers would be back with his Achilles. Now, hear me out here. This is a far-fetched idea that this Jets team even comes close to sniffing it within the first year that they have a full Aaron Rodgers back. Because they need, they still need a little bit of help. They got Garrett Wilson. They've got Brees Hall. But they really don't got much else. So, the Jets have a lot of work to pick up. But, Jets-Vikings as a Super Bowl... Talk about, I would hate it, first oh, of all. Yeah, no shit. That would be like one of the most, like, I think, unwatched. Well, the entire state of the because here's New York the deal. would love it. Aaron, Ro- Aaron Rodgers by himself is hyper annoying. Very valid. And then, you, and then you stack in the whole, I, as a Bears fan, don't like the Vikings. So you stack that in. That's an L Super Bowl if I've ever heard one. That would be a very... Big L Super Bowl, honestly. Like I, I might have to. I would have to root for the Vikings in that one. I don't think I could ever root for the Jets. Like we're, uh, we're not spelling well, it out. We're not rooting for the Jets, man. And, yeah, I'm giving the Ravens and the Eagles it's too easy if we're going by a team color. Well, but yeah, Ravens, Lions, Ravens, Chiefs at two, Lions, 49ers at five thirty. RC was all bent out of shape because one championship game he thinks should be played Saturday night, the other one Sunday night. I'm like, that's not how it's worked. And, um, well, here you go, 2 and 5.30. So it's, grab a napkin, homie, it just got served. <laughs> it's not how it works, but I do kind of like that idea. You put them both, or you put them both on separate nights, kind of give them their respect. But I do say I agree that's not how it's been done in the past, and it's another full final day of NFL Sunday football for people. Granted, it doesn't start at noon or wherever your time starts for kickoff, which kind of sucks, but still, the NFL season is winding down. We'll have a little bit as it kind of kind of or as it kind of sort of comes up to date here, kind of coming around and towards April, we'll get into some draft talk because I've been looking at some potential draft picks. I've been looking to see teams around the board. There's some good quarterbacks on that list, especially if you're looking for, quote, apparently Bears fans want Justin Fields out of there, which I have my opinion on that, but we'll state that later. Caleb Williams is still projected from USC to be the first top pick of the draft. We'll see how that goes since the Bears traded up from Carolina, which... Okay, good for them. Push Carolina back. They need more help than they can get. But regardless, like I said, we'll get to that. We'll get to our Super Bowl picks of who's going to win the Super Bowl as it comes down to it. I think I've kind of already given my pick if if one team loses out of mine or if one team wins against mine. But regardless, the NFL wrapping up this season, but there's been some some other sport going around. There There's some good old... You play it on a sheet of ice, which whoever thought of this idea, friggin' Canadians, they had their... Nothing but the highest IQ, big fella. <laughs> I know. Nothing. 
nothing more suits a Canadian culture and just a, a Northwest culture like Scandinavia as well to, to, to just really throw in the good old hockey. But JC was in Newark. Newark seeing the Devils. I believe, didn't you go to a Rangers game? To, or Yeah, didn't you go to a Rangers game? Well, we went to one New York team. It was not the Rangers. I've already seen the or Rangers. The, the Islanders? Uh, we saw the Islanders play two go. games. Here's how the weekend went. The New Jersey Devils played a back-to-back game. We were at the second part of back-to-back when they played the Dallas Stars. So stop me if you've heard this before. The Devils looked like absolute horseshit in the game. Another back-to-back game. They get down 4 nothing after two. And they score twice in garbage time after being down six to nothing and get thumped by Dallas on our first night there. This also after two different delays got us <clears throat> landing into Newark at like five something for a game that uh, puck dropped at seven. So yeah, we were we were hustling to get in there. Uh, then we had our second night after the Devils got absolutely rocked. Uh, where we saw the Stars go onto the island to take on the New York Islanders. Uh, the game uh, went to overtime. The Islanders eventually got the win. Then the showdown of the showdowns on uh, uh, last Monday night, the 22nd. And this game really pissed Vegas fans off. Like, you would not believe. I don't know how much you watch the internet or uh, follow hockey Twitter. The Golden Knights went into Newark led 5-3 to three in the second period, proceeded to blow the lead, get the game to overtime, and look awful in overtime. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights coach Bruce Cassidy, it depends on how you interpret it, either called his team a beer league team oh. or called the Devils a beer league team. Oh. Uh, uh, Cassidy also quoted as saying, basically, the Vegas Golden Knights disrespected the game. Oh, God. I wouldn't go that far with it, but uh, obviously oh. Vegas respects New Jersey not at all. It's oh, the my. only interpretation I took out of this. Uh, my dad and brother are Vegas fans, and let me tell you oh. something. That conversation, when we got back to good old Northwest Iowa, it was one of those kind con- you know when you're talking sports with somebody and you can tell it's going to be a heavy argument, so you just go agree to disagree? Yeah. That was my dad's approach to the game with me. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. If Vegas wins this game, the bitch fest never happens. And that's the comment I made that that uh, pushed him to where he's like, all right, agree to disagree. Just, just walk away from the conversation. Here's the thing. New Jersey is not, you know, hasn't played particularly well this year. I've talked about it. I've been open about it. They're my team. Love them. Hope we win the Stanley Cup. But, hey, there's a certain point where you got to be a little honest with yourself. Valid. Uh, Monday night was just nice because <laughs> Tyler Toffoli gets a hat trick. Curtis Lazar scores two. Vitek Vanacek plays well enough in that, I guess. Uh, Nico Heeshier scores a goal in there as well. Uh, for the Golden Knights, Marshall Stone has two, Nicholas Waugh has one, Chandler Stevenson with one, and uh, Pavel did. Dora Feyev, easy for me to say, scored one as well. Logan Thompson was in net. So the Devils pick up the old win. And for those keeping score, RC has finally seen one of his teams lose in person. 
Oh, that's that right. Game, that game Monday night broke the streak. According to RC, he's oh. now 8-0-1 because he's Mr. Technicality. Uh, but that is the first non-win whoa, that whoa, he has whoa. seen in his entire time of watching his teams. Hold on. What what's the 8-0-1? It's 8 and 1. There is no O. Because it's an overtime loss. Brother. No. I, I, hey, I know, no. man. I, know. I told you, <laughs> Vegas fans were pissy about the game Monday. It was, and it's so funny to me is because. What? No. Nobody in <laughs> Vegas didn't, Vegas fans didn't do their homework on this game. Because oh, I've talked my. to you about it. every time the Golden Knights and Devils play, it is a one goal game or a two goal game with an empty net late. So it's a one-goal game, then you score your empty net, make it look like you won by two. These games are always close. <sighs> so, yeah, RC uh, <laughs> wasn't happy. My dad wasn't happy. Bruce Cassidy wasn't happy. Vegas fans weren't happy, which, you know, if you ask, 95% of the league means the rest of the league was happy, happy. about it. So- Here's the thing. As somebody that has watched the Devils all year, it was nice to see a game where, A, we actually scored. <laughs> B, it was a back-and-forth game. And C, we came back from two goals down and won the game in overtime. So, I mean, I was happy. I so, mean, obviously the Devils won. But the, the thing about it is, <laughs> and it would, be, it would be fun to talk to Vegas fans about it, if Vegas wins this game in overtime, which they had no shot, they were so outplayed in overtime, it was awesome. We hit two posts. Otherwise, this overtime would have been done in like 40 seconds. If Vegas won in overtime, there is not nearly the cry fest about this game as there was. I I still can't get get over the, the overtime thing. That's an L still, buddy. That's an I, I, F, hey, man. That's an I know. Chat. I know, man. But <sighs> it's my team, so... Of course, he's gonna get all nitpicky with it. I'm the I'm the non-biasing party in this here. I I will strictly say it. If you lose in overtime, I don't care if your it's rules. I don't care if it's the rules a- state to go to a record that it does. It counts as a a one at the end because you tied at the end of regulation. Not points, man. No. It doesn't matter. It's no. a winner or a loss. It is an L. If you lose in overtime, no matter what sport you play, if you lose in extra innings in baseball. It's still an L. There are no uh-huh. ties. It uh-huh. is an L. I know, man. I, I know. No. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was funny because, obviously, having watched the Blue Jays for, geez, a uh, decade plus now, and having watched the Devils for now, this will be entering uh, year seven. I, I watch my teams in person, whether they're good or bad, which is how most fans operate. Yep. Where, you know, I quit I, I should look up the record of my two teams because I guarantee you they're below five hundred when I've watched them in person. I mean that would it, be it a stat. It, but yeah. You gotta send me a text so I can do that for the next show. Um but yeah, RC has seen the Ravens and Golden Knights. Those are the two teams. And you kinda go, Well, duh. Baltimore's only one and uh, I think he's seen them like once. But the Golden Knights is one of those teams, and I've, I've talked to different people about it. Golden Knight fans 
will earn their stripes when they inevitably become bad. I'm not saying anywhere in the near, like, near, near future, but, like, any sporting team. Yeah. You're seeing it with the Patriots. They were dominant for 20, 15, 20 years, whatever it was. At some point, the day is going to come where your team's bad. Yeah. Once you follow your team when they're absolute dog water, that's where you're going to get respect from me. Because nobody can say shit about my teams, man. I've seen my teams win zero titles. And the Devils last made the title in 2012 when I wasn't even following hockey. I have seen my team play and count them zero titles, unless you talk about the Bears when I was like seven. And I, the only thing I can tell you about that is Devin Hester took the opening kickback, and after that it was all downhill. Yeah, but that but was that, that was Devin thing, Hester's job, though. Devin Hester was a kick-returning yeah. machine. Anyways. Yeah. But that's the thing right now with, like, Vegas is, like, Vegas fans don't haven't had a bad season. And even now with all the complaining that's gone on, we'll talk about the standings in a moment, you're still not a bad team. No. So when you start, when you have the, the seasons, uh, let's see, i gotta got to pull up the stat line here um, for the Devils up until a couple of years ago. And, and let me tell you, you're going to want to hold on to your hat because it's going to be like when we discovered the Bears had beat the Packers three times since, like, 1992. Um, that was here a rough we go. day. Winning, winning percentages um, for the New Jersey Devils. So last year, they had 52 wins. You know, that's a good number. Mm-hmm. Here's how this, so it goes, 52-22-8. Year before, seventh of eight in the division with a record of 27-46-9. Year before that, seventh of eight, 19-30-7 in a COVID-shortened season, of course. Uh, 2019, eighth of eight, 28, 29, and 12. Uh, eighth of eight in 2018, 31, 41, and 10. Uh, the Devils, the first year I watched them, went 44, 29, and nine, lost in the first round to Tampa. Taylor Hall was a freaking unit that year. The last time the Devils were dominant, you go from 1996 to in 2010, oh. where they won two of their three Stanley Cups, made a bunch of quarterfinal, semifinal appearances, and all that's before I started watching them. And, I mean, the Blue Jays are just bad. I so, mean, we've talked about that on this show. But that's my thing is when you – it will pull up. I'll just go so what, and pull up the Vegas numbers while we're talking about this. So what I'm because, hearing is you were the catalyst. <laughs> You started watching and they dropped off. <laughs> well, the Blue Jays I'll just pull haven't been good there, since 1993, which is valid. before I was born. The Cubs weren't really – the Cubs were still the Cubs doing whatever the Cubs do with the curse way before I was born. So I think we both have our respective teams and sorrows and feel. <sighs> but, yeah, that's my thing. Is So you look at the Golden Knights. Here's the thing. <laughs> in their seasons, they've missed the playoffs once. In their sixth season, this being their seventh year, they made two Stanley Cup finals, including the first year they ever existed. They've made three other playoff appearances, and 
They made the conference final in 2019, a semifinal in 20, uh, first round in 2018, and two Stanley Cup appearances. When you go through a period, my guy just talked about with the Devils, and if you're in the case of RC or somebody that's newish to the team, and you're still, you know, as committed as you are right now, that's when I'll be like, all right, you know, I digress on this conversation because you're in the same boat. Florida hasn't done squat in since like 96. And like you said, the Cubs have been arguably worse than that. The Broncos had their stint. The Huskers are going through their stint. If you're a Packers fan, you've been there through it. You are a Bears fan. You are going through it. I mean, shit. If you, I agree with you. If you finally stick through your team through a losing season, or if you've been a loser and you finally win, it's so much. It's so it's, rewarding. Yes. You know, and it's funny because the only time I've ever seen my team get close has now almost been a decade ago, which is depressing to think about in its own right. But when the Blue Jays had that really good core in 15 and 16 when they made the back-to-back ALCSs, it is so... I, I don't know. I don't want to say rewarding, like I'm part of the team, but like it, it has a little bit more to it when you've seen your team play awful. Yeah. And then like all at once it kind of turns itself around. But there you go. That's that's the long diatribe. Uh, final game of our uh, hockey trip. Saw the Golden Knights beat the Islanders 3-2. Uh, goal scorers, Ivan Barbashev and Nicholas Waugh and Sheldon Rempel scoring his first NHL goal. Shout out to him. Uh, Islanders, Nelson and Pajot would score. Uh, big one coming back for the Knights. Goalkeeper Aiden Hill. Vegas hasn't looked – I'm just going to be honest. Vegas didn't look good in either game we saw them uh, on this trip. Aiden Hill – 40 saves and 42 shots while his team mustered just 27 shots on the game. And looking at it tonight, I think they beat the Rangers by. Nope. Aiden Hill is going to make or break this team. Because if Logan Thompson plays the Islanders after playing the Devils, the Vegas Golden Knights lose to the Islanders. And they probably lose tonight, too. I mean, goalkeeping makes a hell of a difference. You, of all people, should know that. Last year's run with Florida where Bobrovsky was holding teams to to Zippo and they were winning in two or three overtimes. I mean, it's it's a big uh, difference, but... That's kind of the breakdown of our uh, hockey trip there. Uh, it was kind of interesting in a little mini round-robin tournament. Uh, the Dallas Stars beat the Devils and lost to the Islanders. The Vegas Golden Knights beat the Islanders and lost to the Devils. The Devils beat the Golden Knights and lost to the Stars, and the Islanders beat the Stars and lost to the Golden Knights. So everybody won one and lost one uh, over the weekend. So that leads us to tonight. We talked about the Golden Knights. Uh, Rempel scored again in the win. Uh, Colasar and Marchessault would score. Actually, Marchessault got a hat, hat trick in the game. Uh, the the Rangers at home looked uh, 38 shots, kind of the same story of the Islanders game, it seems. 
Uh, Golden Knights pick up the win there. Panthers win in a shootout against the Penguins 3-2. Avalanche smoked the Kings 5-1. And then a game into the third period, Kraken uh, lead the Blues 3-2. So what's that mean for everybody's teams? Well, here you go. We'll start in the West. Uh, we'll start in the Pacific Division with the currently still leading Vancouver Canucks. 32 wins on the season for the Canucks uh, on this season. Uh, 69 points for them. Vegas is uh, second with 29 points, 64 points. However, that whole division's got to be sweating, man. The once left for dead Edmonton Oilers, who have played five, five that's not making it up, five less games than the Golden Knights, are only seven points back, and they have won, wait for it, their last 15 games. Holy shit. Have the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, yeah, it just got uh, hot in here. That's good Lord. Vegas is... I don't know if hanging on for dear life is quite, we're quite to that point, but Vegas is going to definitely want that two seed. So when they play Edmonton, they get game seven in Vegas because the way Edmonton's playing right now, there's not a team in the West that's looked better than Edmonton. And I was one that kind of wrote Edmonton off. If you go back to our earlier podcast this year, uh, when they fired Jay Woodcroft, I mean, they looked dead in the water. And, uh, boy, anything but since uh, we've last talked about it. Kings in the fourth uh, with 53 points. So, already Edmonton is kind of locking themselves into that three spot. I think they can give Vegas a run uh, if they can. I mean, 15-game winning streak. At some point, you're going to cool off. But they're right back in the thick of it already. Uh, four points or four games less than Vancouver, 12 points. So Vancouver's got a sizable cushion on them. Vegas, not as much as one would think. The rest of the division after the Kings, Kraken, Flames, Ducks, and Sharks. And the uh, Central Western Division, Colorado once again leads the division. They played three more games than Winnipeg, who's in second, just two points back. Then the Stars at 64 points. Nashville, Blues, Coyotes, Wild, and Blackhawks round out the Central. And then we go to the Eastern Atlantic Division. Not, I don't think anything's changed over here. Uh, Boston leads the division because, of course, they do at 69 points. Uh, Florida second at 64 points. Lightning 57, Toronto 56. Detroit, Montreal, Sabres, and Senators round out the Atlantic. And in the Metro, again, not a whole lot's changed other than Carolina's kind of streaking at the moment. Uh, Rangers, 61 points. Uh, haven't looked great in their last 10. They've only won three of their last 10, gotten points in four of their last 10 games. Carolina's now second. Uh, Philadelphia, third. New Jersey, fourth. Islanders, Caps, Penguins, and Blue Jackets, the rest of the lineup there. Devils kind of in the middle of the pack. As you look at the wild card teams in Atlantic, Boston, Florida, Tampa, uh, Metro, Rangers, Flyers, and Hurricanes, wild card teams, Leafs, and Wings. So playoffs today would be Tampa, Florida, 
Philly, Carolina, uh, Detroit would get Boston, and Toronto would get the Rangers. Devils would be the first team out of the playoffs if the season ended today on the West Coast. Uh, Avalanche, Jets, Stars, Canucks, Knights, uh, Oilers, Kings, and Predators. And there's a couple of real good matchups in the uh, if, if the season ended today. Winnipeg, Dallas for the West would be electric. And you may have a series of the year outside of the Stanley Cup probably. Golden Knights, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the Golden Knights, I believe, last year got them in six. Uh, there's just Edmonton. This is what Edmonton's been training for the entirety of the offseason. They want Vegas in a series in the playoffs and try to get redemption from last year. Uh, the other matchups would be Preds would get the Canucks and Kings would get the Avalanche. And you look at the eastern side, I mean, Florida-Tampa, just because it's a uh, all-Florida matchup, would be fascinating. Um, maybe Carolina-Philly would be good. Uh, I don't know. There's Compared to the West right now, the East doesn't really have that like marquee matchup unless you count Florida-Tampa as the matchup. Uh, where everybody ranks in the conference, Florida second in the East. Devils are ninth in the East. Uh, Vegas is fifth in the West. And as for the league as an entirety, number five, Florida, 64 points in 48 games. Number seven, Vegas, 64 points in 49 games. And, well, we're top 20 again. The, goal, uh, the <laughs> Devils, I should say. 51 points in 46 games, good enough for 17th in the league, and we're not even a top uh, top half team at the moment. Although, if we're all being honest, I mean, 15th to like 20th is separated by three points, so you know, there's a lot of wiggle room there. But uh, the Panthers, only team in the top five, Vegas. Despite the freak out their fans have been having, uh, they're they're very they're very much right there. I mean, Vancouver sixty nine, Boston sixty nine, Colorado sixty seven, Winnipeg sixty five, and then you have Panthers, Stars, and Knights at sixty four. So technically, you're tied for fifth. Let's relax. That's yeah, that's calm what down. that's a long winded answer to say, hey. <laughs> Relax. You you guys are fine. You guys are still sitting pretty. Now, you guys better be checking your doors and locking them because otherwise Edmonton's about to break in. I still can't believe that. You talk about as crucial of a game is in hockey and as small detailed as that is, you're going on a 15-game win streak in this sport. That, to me, is just that's in any sport. Well, yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll give you that, because I mean, still in baseball, you look at like the win streaks in baseball, you look at the Oakland A's, the Cleveland Indians back in like, what was it, 20, I forget what year it was. I think the Blue Jays had one where they went 16, 17 in a row. Yeah. Or maybe it was, maybe it was under 15, I don't know. But you, the thing That's about nuts. this kind of a winning streak, and I'm a, I've got Edmonton's schedule pulled up so we can go back to their last loss, is how right night in and night out you have to be. One thing I'm noticing with Edmonton's schedule, which is nice, is they don't have back-to-backs. Well, that, uh, that definitely helps. Unlike other teams that 
absolutely gets, you know, mauled by back-to-backs. And I've been told by uh, some Vegas fans that I know that well, going back-to-back shouldn't matter. <laughs> oh, boy, it's here we go. Shit, but, uh, it's a crock of shit. The, it's an opinion. I don't agree with it, but anyway, I digress. So here's Edmonton's 15-game winning streak. In New Jersey, 6-3 win. In New York, the following night, 4-3 win. The 28th of December, a 5-0 win at um, San Jose. Two games later at the Kings. This is where the this is where winning streaks get tough. A shootout 3-2 win. That's crazy. Then the following day, absolutely dismantled the Ducks in a 7-2 win. So for those keeping score, there's five of the 15. And then you have the last 10 this month, hosting the Flyers on the 2nd of January, 5-2. Not a back-to-back. They play on the 6th against the Senators, 3-1. Then they go at Chicago, 2-1 win on the 9th. The 11th and overtime win at Detroit, beating the Red Wings 3-2. The 13th, notice how still not back-to-backs here. Oh, boy. 2-1 uh, overtime at the Canadiens. Then the following week on the 16th, a 4-2 win at home against Toronto. The 18th, a home win 4-2 against the Kraken. Uh, they go to Calgary on the 20th and win 3-1. Back at home on the 23rd to beat the Blue Jackets 4-1. The 25th against Chicago, a 3-0 win. And coming up by the time this is released will be played at some point today here on the 27th. Once this is recorded, they will have the Preds. But a whole month where you had at least one day in between. And if they get past the Preds, which, not to jinx them, but you sure should. You the Las it. Vegas Golden Knights would be their next game in Vegas, February 6th. Sign me up because that game, I think, really will show. I mean, 15 game winning streak, you're obviously legit, but how legit is this team really? That Because you get Vegas on the 6th, then you get the Ducks on the 9th, and then the Kings on the back end of a back to back. Which, if you're going to have those teams, you'd rather play the Kings first than the Ducks. But then you get into February and uh, you get rocking and rolling. But uh, looking, I think they did play Vegas once already this year. Uh, did the Oilers. Devils played like absolute dog water against them twice. Uh, they beat Vegas in a shootout in Edmonton. In November. Back in November. And that might be their only matchup so far against them, which... From what I'm I mean, seeing, it is. That just makes for electric play down the season. You know, I mean, the Devils are done with them, so I... Whatever. Well, uh, I, I don't think... Actually, Florida thumped the shit out of them. Yeah. 5-1. So... Well, and looking at the... Re- or looking at the schedule read-off here, so looking at it, out of the next... Going into the month of February, so finishing off today as this would get posted here, you got Nashville. According to the standings at the moment, that's a wild card and a playoff contender. You've got the Knights. That's a playoff contender. You've got the Kings and uh, the Red Wings, both playoff contenders. You throw it to February 17th. 
that's a playoff contender. So within the next like six, seven games, you're playing four straight playoff contenders with a, a break here in between with uh, the Ducks and then the Blues kind of bouncing back and forth on those. So, I mean, this, like you said, this will really show what team this is going to be. Is it going to be a team that when the when the going gets tough, you're going to back yourself into a corner? Are you going to be able to get out? Are you not going to be able to get out? And from the way that they – from the score lines, they're able to win in close games is what it looks like. And, I mean, like I, we all know my hockey knowledge is not the absolute greatest. They've got two overtime, and here it is. They've got two overtime wins. The other right. two teams have overtime losses. No, they got losses. I'm still on that. But, I mean, and then after you got Dallas, you got Arizona, but then you got Boston. That's another playoff team. I mean, they've got a tough end-of-the-year end schedule coming up on their, on their lineup. So... And and this is a team, like we've talked about, that got off to an absolutely awful start. I mean, there's no one in the league that's gotten off to a worse. I mean, the Sharks and the bottom tier teams that you knew weren't going to be good to start with. But for a team that I had them and the Devils as my Stanley Cup pick at the beginning of the year. You know, Devils is, you know, my delusional ass, you know, really <laughs> trying to buy for my team. To, they're supposed to be better than they are. Anyway, that that's that is what it is. We'll see where they end up. But Edmonton was my West Coast pick because that's the team's got the motivation there. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the standings, uh the the route they would have to go would be so they would get Vegas in the first round. You get the defending cup champs in the first round, then you would get the winner of Vancouver and Nashville. And then you get whoever's left out of that, probably mm, Dallas or Colorado, maybe. Although the Kings would be a feisty wild card team if the season ended today. So it, the routes there of like, if you can get past Vegas in the first round, which is a big ask. I mean, Vegas is on paper, if they play up to what they should be, they're a tough out. But then again, I mean, you get past them, you get the Canucks, which nobody seems sold on. Also, we have now have a tie game in Seattle uh, in the third period off of a Buchnevich goal. The Blues tied that at three. It sets up for interesting. I think the West Coast matchups right now look more interesting to me than the East Coast matchups do. Uh, the, the thing for right now is if the Devils get in, they're either going to get the Rangers or Boston. So, I mean, if you get another Devils-Rangers first-round matchup, that's, that's a, you know, that's like if you can get Boston and Florida in the first round and somehow somebody in the Atlantic's not those two and you get Boston-Florida in the first round or like a Rangers-Devils in the first round, both of those matchups in their own right would be really good matchups, but I don't know. Right now in the East, there's just not that one matchup. But, you know, Edmonton's going to lose eventually. It's oh, just yeah. a matter of who's going to get them. I mean, they're obviously not going to go the rest of the way. And there's going to be another lull at some point here. And I have a hard time thinking they're going to roll through February, March, uh, and April. I think they play some in April. They yeah, play they all the way through the 18th. Play the first playoffs. half of the month of April. So inevitably they're going to lose one, but I there 
they're playing hot, man. 15 games in a row. That is, uh, that's pretty damn impressive. That's and when, like ask. you said, when you factor in a couple overtime wins and a shootout win over there, and you're playing the close games, and, uh, you know, any night out's a tough night. I mean, there's no team that is just going to roll over for you. No. Um, you know, we've seen that in the last, we've seen that in the last <laughs> week, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting time of the year, but I mean, Florida's comfortably a playoff team. Vegas is comfortably a playoff team, despite the panic button that seems to have kind of been hit a little bit. But if you ask Vegas fans, they totally haven't hit it. Um, <laughs> the Devils, however, the work's cut out for them. And right now, I mean, we, I sound like a broken record with this team, but we've done nothing to help our decor. We've done nothing to help the goalie situation. I don't, I don't know what the, the big idea here is. I mean, mathematically, you're still right on the brink of the wild card, so there's that. But, like, at some point, you're going to have to start winning some of these, you know, Close games against teams that are better than you. Because the thing about it is the Devils' back half of their schedule is, I don't know where it's ranked officially, but it's like top five toughest the rest of the way. So, like, you're looking, at least coming up, you got Tampa on Saturday. Then you flip past the All-Star break. Then you open up the All-Star break by hosting Colorado. Then you get Calgary, Winnable, Carolina, who we just lost to, Seattle and Nashville on a back-to-back, the Kings, the Stadium Series game on the 17th, then Capitals, which is winnable, Rangers at home, which... You would think is potentially winnable. Statistically, you go, the Devils should lose, but it's a rivalry game, and you've played sports long enough to know that rivalry games throw the records out. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Then you go uh, Canadians and Tampa back-to-back, which... If we haven't figured out the back-to-back, Tampa is going to absolutely boat race us that game. Then we go out uh, on the 27th of February to take on the Sharks, who, as much as this pains me to say, beat us earlier this year because, of course, they did. Uh, I think they I think they put up, like, six when they beat us um, earlier this year because that's an – yeah, they beat us 6-3 in the same month where the Ducks, who are also garbage, beat us 5-1. to one. Um, But, yeah, it's it's going to be an important month of February. I mean, the, the, the Devils have proven in January that they can run with teams. I mean, they, they buried Florida. They beat Vegas in overtime. They beat the Capitals, who had been playing well. Uh, they took the Lightning to overtime in Tampa, which has never been a great place to, for them to play. And then you, you lose a clunker this month to the Canadians, who are not great. I mean, that's at the end of the year, you know, you play all the teams. No night's an easy night. But so far this year, the Devils have lost to the Ducks, the Sharks, the Canadians, and the... Blue Jackets, all four teams that you should beat. 
And if you look at the points you lost there, at the end of the year, if it's like it is now and you're sitting where you're like four points out, as uh, ownership and leadership of this team in the front office, if you will, you're going to be looking at yourself going, you can't, you can't squander games that you should win is the point I'm getting at. So Devils have their work cut out for them in February. Well, it's hockey's one of those games, man. It's going to I feel like and judging by how the playoffs went last year for both of our teams and especially even RC's Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, their Panthers were notably not supposed to get past Boston. They got past it. The the Rangers and the Devils was a just absolute series. I mean, there there were plenty of games last year that kind of flipped on each other's heads. So, I mean, it's playoff hockey coming up here in the next month and a half is going to be interesting to to see who comes out on top and where those standings sit. Well, and it's it's a grind like baseball is. Yeah. I mean, you being a Cubs fan know this firsthand where it's like, and as a Blue Jays fan, I can personally attest to this as well, where one month your team looks like these guys are either pickets this looks like a team that can win the World Series, or this is a team that's not even going to make the playoffs. And it's when you're playing that many games, I mean, hockey, you're playing 82, not nearly as many as baseball, but everything, you know, every game's important. But the grind, grind when you're down in the dumps, down in the lulls, if you will. It hits you, man. I mean, when especially it, it, it as a physical sport as hockey. I mean, think about oh, yeah. it. I mean, your your legs are gassed, and I mean, still, and like we talked about with Edmonton, you're winning two overtime games in back-to-back days. You had a shootout win to keep that 15-game win streak alive. For Florida last year in the playoffs, overtime was our best friend. And so, I mean, that that's yeah. the thing that you have to look at. Thanks, Bobrovsky. Yeah, thank you, V. <laughs> but, like, that's the one thing that you got to look at, too, is how can you play when it comes down to – who's going to want it the most. And that's what we talked about with the Lions, too. It's like that team is built to outlast you or make you take it down to the wire. And if you win, we gave it everything. That was it. Whatever. So that it's it's kind of one of those things because you talked about it with just as team teams get hot, they get hot, and they're riding that wave. The Cubs did it for the entire month or last half of July going into August, and then they fell way off the cliff. And then – you look at how certain teams for the NFL did this year. The Eagles completely dropped the ball. The Cowboys have dropped the ball numerous times. I mean, there's certain teams that just keep going on this. Pick it, get it while it's hot, go. Or they're the Packers. They started out super slow this season and just dropped it right in there at the right time. So you get hot, you get hot, and then you you build from there. There you go. Hell yeah. Well... We promised a little bit, and I'll try to make it quick here. It's getting to be the the prime time topics of the talk of this certain spot and certain sport. College basketball now in full swing. Conference games are going. If you're looking at your top teams, thinking of who's going to be in the March Madness bracket, if you would sit right now as your four seeds of number one through four as your number ones, the UConn Huskies looking to redeem their shot at a back-to-back title 
and they're they're holding themselves strong. They got two losses coming in in a 17 and two record. The Purdue Boilermakers trying to get past their um, March Madness woes when it comes to getting to the Elite Eight and through the Final Four to try to win a national title. They're 17 and two as well. One of those 17. And two losses came to the good old Nebraska Cornhuskers in Lincoln. I'll shout that one out because that was a huge win for Nebraska. They hadn't beaten a number one ranked team in college basketball for, I think it was like since 93. Then you got North Carolina. They're sitting at number three. They've got a stacked team as well in Chapel Hill. The Houston Cougars still young and hungry as well. They're 16-2 and two, sitting at number four. You kind of round out the top ten. You got Tennessee at five, Kentucky at six, who is a favorite to to sneak into the March Madness Final Four, they've got a very good core group of guys looking to kind of bring Kentucky back a national title. Haven't won it since the mid-2000s. Kansas sitting at number seven. Auburn at eight. Arizona and Illinois round out the top ten. For you Iowa State fans, Iowa State sitting at number 23 in the country, 14 and four. We'll go through the Big 12 standings here in a second. All you Creighton Blue Jay fans out there in good old Nebraska land, finally kind of getting it back on with a couple of big wins in the last couple of weeks, starting off with back-to-back wins coming off of a loss to UConn, and by a loss, I mean it was a bad loss when you went to Connecticut 62-48 to to the number one team in the land, but a big win over the Seton Hall Pirates, 97-94, to triple overtime thriller, and then coming back to beat Xavier as well at home at the CHI Health Center, 85-78. to I actually watched that game, and I mean, Creighton, this is the big thing about Creighton. They've got a good group of guys. Baylor Shireman leads the team in points per game with 17.9. This kid can shoot. I mean, for a left-handed, left-handed shooter, nice quick, quick release, but I mean, he's just doesn't have a lot of height when it looks like on his jump, but his shot is just so true. But this is the big thing. If you're looking at trying to pick Creighton in the tournament, going into the Big East standings at the moment, Creighton sits at number two after the win against Seton Hall, who was number one in the Big East. They dropped down. UConn is sitting at seven and one of the conference. Creighton six and three. Seton Hall is tied for second at six and three. Marquette would round out that three spot, and then four would be St. John's, who has also been a little bit of a talk of a conversation in the Big in the Big East. But looking at it, I'll say this every single year: Creighton lives and dies by the three. Defensively, they're a fantastic team. They're able to get points. They're a fast-paced offense when they want to be, but if they can't make a three, it's going to be a tough game for them. And Baylor Baylor Shireman able to make a couple of key threes in that game against Xavier. Also, here's the fun fact. Creighton is the least, and I I should try to phrase this correctly on how it was said, but Creighton is the least fouling team in the NCAA according to stats. So that is going to be a big thing, kind of if they can keep up that just pressure as well. We'll hop over to the Big 12 because the Big 12 has been going through a riffraff when it comes to teams winning and losing. Texas was a top seed in the Big 12 coming in preseason. They have kind of fallen off down at 3-3, three and three, sitting at the middle of the pack there, 14-5 and five overall. But for you Iowa State fans, you are sitting at a kind of three-way tie here in the Big 12 for that two spot. Iowa State 4-2, and 15-4 overall. Kansas State 4-2. Houston is sitting at 4-2 and two as well. They finally get a chance to really dive into a tough conference when it comes to basketball. Texas Tech at 4-1, and one, and they are leading the Big 12. So the Cougars still looking to try to get their namesake in. Iowa State 
team that is normally tournament bound should be sitting at probably I would give them, depending on how the rest of the year goes, give them a six or a seven seed for the tournament. Looking at the Big Ten, and here's the fun fact, folks, for all you college basketball ranking people out there who judge it by the year. Back when Purdue lost to Nebraska within that week, from one down to, I believe it was 17, within the same week, only two top 17 seed teams did not lose. Everybody else went down. It was either close games, blots, whatever. The top 25 has been moving around in that top 15. Going through the Big Ten standings, Wisconsin, after a big win against Michigan State today, and by big win at home, I mean it was a big win. 13th-ranked Badgers are sitting at 8-1 and one in the conference, Purdue 7-2. and two. Illinois and Northwestern go for that tie at a third place with 5-3. and three. And Nebraska sitting at 5-4 and four at that number four spot. Will that hold? Casey Tomanaga and the Cornhuskers are looking to see if it does as we got a full pack day of basketball coming up tomorrow. We'll try to go through some of the big games and our normal teams around the two states. For all our faithful listeners, Houston, number four in the country, has Kansas State tomorrow. That game tips off at 11. Going down the list for more matchups, Marquette has Seton Hall. For all you Pirates fans out there that are kind of looking in the Big East, number 14, Marquette at home. Iowa State, number 23, in the Hilton Coliseum, is going to host the number seven Kansas Jayhawks. This one should be an absolutely fantastic game. Iowa State trying to look to jump up into that Top spot, continuing their run. North Carolina, number three, takes on Florida State on the road in Tallahassee. Number 20, Texas Tech has Oklahoma ranked number 11. BYU, number 21, another Big 12 matchup coming up against Texas. And then going down through the list here, Illinois, number 10 of the country, has Indiana for the Big 10 matchups. I believe I did see Nebraska had a game. Yeah, Nebraska has Maryland on BTN tomorrow. For all you Big Ten fans, and then we will see where Iowa matches up. I have not seen them on the schedule yet. Iowa has Michigan at on FS1 at 4 p.m. tomorrow. For your Hawkeyes on the men's side, they're sitting ninth in the Big Ten, sitting at 3-5 and five overall, 11-8, and eight, potentially still able to make a big dance run coming up in March. But that rounds out our little bit of basketball talk. We'll dive into more as kind of the March Madness Conference Tournaments. Oh, come around. That's a that's a lot of a topic coming up in as as fast as I did that. I I'm impressed with that with some quick rundowns. But other than that, college basketball is fun to watch. I I don't even know. I got to still keep watching more cuz I always like to watch a little bit more of college basketball kind of coming up towards March cuz when you build that bracket, I feel like the more you somewhat watch, the better you feel about your bracket, but then at the same time, it's not it doesn't really help you because March Madness is just sitting. It sits weird. It's never good. I was going to say, this is the best I've ever picked NFL playoffs. And I've watched <laughs> like one game in its entirety all year. So I'm, uh, I'm wondering if that old theory of the more you watch, the better you know is uh, maybe fundamentally flawed. It could be. And that's... That is one thing, too. It's like, I don't even know historically on picks that we've had on this show on how our historic record would be. It would be nice to have, like, a PA assistant if somebody wants to, you know, kind of come help us go through the artifacts and pick that out. But, I mean, I would say, for the most part, there is a little bit of a flawed system. And the more you watch, 
the better your picks are. I kind of agree with you. I think the more you watch, the more you're like, oh, I'm so confident in this. Like, they play great down the stretch. They've gotten this marquee win, this marquee win, this marquee win. It's like, dude, at certain times in the year, it don't matter what your wins are. But apparently in the NFL, it matters when you're picking against the Chiefs and the Bills, the Packers and the Cowboys <laughs> in the playoffs. It matters, man. <laughs> That's yeah, just, you know, uh, you taking the Packers last week was a bold move, and you know I have I know. to applaud that. But you knew it just—you just knew it wasn't going to pan out for you. So. And I, I knew that going so into the fun. pick, but well, without further ado, on that, we've got an hour and fifteen going up on the podcast. Do we got anything else that we want to talk to the wonderful people about to keep their Saturdays or wherever the day they listen to this going? Well, I got to give you an update on the old fire red uh, playthrough. It has been slow, slow going. Uh, but I'll walk through what we've caught and what the team looks like. Um, the team, or rather what we've caught, uh, we've caught a Venonat level 24, Goldine level 21, Psyduck level 22, Seeking level 24, Paris level 23, Execute level 25 and Rhyhorn level 25. Ooh, I like that Rhyhorn pick right there. So, and our current team, once the game lets me back out far enough to actually do this. Uh, where's the team? There's the team. The team currently, um, having a moment here. Um, wow, this is. Going, this going is the, the, <laughs> the this woes. Is, this is, we're, we're going through the feels right now. Um, <laughs> but in a good way, not the not the Despresso Oppressos. Uh, well, in the meantime, we're drinking an ice-cold, truly fruit punch for those keeping score at home. I don't think I've talked about that yet. You have not. And that was a perfect segue. All right, I thought you were going with something there. All right, this oh, is no, a perfect. <laughs> so this is a perfect, perfect segue to talk about the team and its current standing. Uh, Growlithe level twenty nine. We uh, have something you'll be excited about. Mankey's now primate level twenty eight. Hey. Jolteon level thirty. Nidorino level twenty nine. Doug Trio level thirty two. And Blastoise. She's carrying us, man. Level 38. Good old Blastoise. That, honestly, though, that's a reliable pick of a starter because it just good, powerful Pokemon, but definitely a tank to be used and a force to be reckoned with. So she'll, because she'll be a strong you know, one. you know later in the game you can get a Growlithe. Yeah. That was the kind of a decision-making for me. Is I mean, there's I think you can get a Lapras possibly, like, way later in the game. But for Pokemon, you're able to pick up and kind of, like, move through the game with. You know you're going to have a crack at a Growlithe in there somewhere. So Blastoise is kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, as long as you get a strong Fire-type, and I will agree, I feel like Growlithe is a strong one because you get an Arcanine, as well as if you, mm-hmm. get a, if you get a Ponyta and you get a Rapidash, that is a strong Fire-type as well to, to complement a good Water-type starter. So that's... That is the one thing, though, I think every, before you continue to read off the, the rest of the team, that is the one thing that everybody makes such a big deal about. It's like, dude, just play it strategically. Like, go with whatever type you like. Like, when um, 
Pokemon Emerald came out, I went with Trico because Sceptile was strong. Sceptile was such a good Pokemon because you could do um, you could do uh, Leaf Cut and you could also do just so many different grass types, but you could do poison moves, you can do light moves. Like, there are so many different moves that you could do with a Sceptile. So once you started really getting the Pokemon built around you, even though Blaziken as a fire and fighting type was also a good pick that you should that you could have went with, and then Mudkip with a ground and water, that was that was a solid choice. But I went with Sceptile. See, I was going to say, I in. would go literally anyone other than, I don't know, maybe I'm just biased against grass types. Everybody like- is. I feel like Mudkip's a better pick there. I mean, Blaziken is good, other than you're going to be countered with Mudkip the whole game, which is kind of annoying. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you just make your strong pick at the beginning. Know they're going to be your strongest Pokemon probably throughout the entire gameplay. Mm-hmm. And uh, then from there, you just build your team around it. But, yeah, this is no by no means the final six we're going to have. I mean, I think I talked about it last time, but Doug Trio, as soon as we get something marginally better, will be gone. Uh, I mean, I can see Nidorino sticking around. Jolteon, I'm hoping, stays strong enough to stick around. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get rid of the super tank that is Blastoise. <laughs> and probably not getting rid of Growlithe either. Uh, Prime Ape, I'm kind of tossed uh, in the air on a little bit of long-term if it'll stay, but... There you go. That's our update from that. Like I said, I was on vacation. I was going to try to play it, and then I really didn't. So that's your update. I would say if you can get a Nido King or a Nido Queen in there at some point, especially if you get a Nido King in there, because I personally thought that Nido King was the stronger one out of the two, just because you could do a little bit of a different move style with it. That would be a good one to carry on kind of late. That's what we're going for. Yeah, that would be a good one to carry on late. Primate, if you could swap that out, because isn't Machop still a Machop is a Gen One, isn't he? Because then you could yeah. get him a Champ. I actually like Machamp more than I do a Primate, but a Primate is also very good. So, yeah, but the, at this point in the game, I'm gonna have to like upgrade a Machop. Like Primate's yeah. like four levels ahead of the Machop that's in the uh, box at the moment. So like strategically there, that's why I've stuck with Mankey and Primate because the move set's strong enough that you're like, okay, that's fine. Where, you know, uh, retraining a matchup isn't really top priority on the game. So there you go. There we go. We got to love the Pokemon talk. We got to love throwing it back to the nerdum days because that growing up as a Someday kid. Someday I'm going to open another pack on this channel. Oh my gosh. We need to do that because I think there's still packs at the good old Hy-Vee and Winter Set. I'll freaking, I'll buy one and then they're going to be like, uh, excuse me. It's like, no, I will not go to self-checkout. You are checking this out right now. I'm a 25-year-old buying Pokemon Where I'm going to stand in line and make you very uncomfortable with why a grown-ass man is buying one Sony, one singular pack of cards and making you check a, check him out. But by God, I'm going to do it. <sighs> That's Keep up the good work, man. Oh, that's just talk about just like, oh, I don't even know. That's just, yeah, I might have to go to self-checkout and not put somebody through that point. But I got to do, I, I think don't, that whatever. Would make a great story that would be very funny that you should definitely do because it would either be 
like the most awkward interaction or it would be one of those where they're just like look at you you look at them and they're like oh, okay i guess i'm checking this guy out like whatever <laughs> the best thing another day on the job man the best thing would be as she's checking it or as like the person checking it out be like all right so what's your favorite pokemon go gen one gen two gen three you like grass types? Are you a psychic type? Like, go through that. Like, oh, I'm you naming like your, like, I'm naming your astrology signs here. It's like yeah, I'm just going say, through. It feels like the chicks are like, <laughs> "What's your sign, bro?" What's your like, sign? you're gonna be on high V asking some chick. What's your Pokemon type? What's your go-to Pokemon type? Are you like a grass and type? Then if, <laughs> and then if she says the wrong answer, you gotta be like, "Ooh, wrong answer," and then take your bag and leave. Oh my gosh! It's like. Dude, I don't. I can't wait to hear about this interaction next week. It's probably not. It's not going to be anything special. Like, I'm not going to. You're going to come back and you're going to be like, I went to self checkout. And I'm going to be like, oh, come on. Oh, no. I'll go. I'll go through the checkout, but I'm not going to go as extensive as trying to ask somebody like their sign, asking their Pokemon type. Like, that would just. To me, that I would feel uncomfortable doing that of just like a point of. I'm I'm really oh making. I sure wouldn't if it was like the right person. Of, I'm, I mean, it obviously has to be the right person at the counter. Dude, but like, watch it be. I think that was pretty funny. If it's an older person, like old, that's like, even better. Some person that's over the age of fifty, you gotta be like. So as they're scanning it, so you're a big Pokemon fan, eh? Uh, tell me what type uh, is your go-to type. Am I gonna look at you like, huh? My grandson doesn't watch this. Like, oh, uh, what's your what's your astronomical sign? What's your astrology? Are you oh, Sagittarius? You know the I funniest part about so that seriously. is, I would have a better chance of somebody asking me about Pokemon and knowing the answer than asking me about anything to do with signs or any of that other stuff. Oh, uh, it's it's bad that I like, even I know. know it, but like. Yeah, I don't know anything other than, like, the generic, like, basic stuff. But for Pokemon, I'm like, yeah, I can give you a solid answer on that. So, there you well, go. Now, now you got your homework for the podcast for next week. You'll love to hear Well, and the funny part is, is, like, you look at all this. If you take the two in existence, you take your Pokemon types, and then you take your, your Astral, like, your, why do I keep, I'm putting so much emphasis on Astral. <laughs> wow. He's got something that? on his mind. It's all about the astral. <laughs> oh, speaking, okay. So speaking of that, because this is a fun little tangent in here. So there's a song by, it's this band called Hot Country Nights. And it's Knights spelled K-N-I-G-H-T, like the Vegas Golden Knights, who are cry babies because they're about to choke their playoff chances. Anyways. So they have, it's a cover band or like a spoof band made by Dirks Bentley. But they have a song, it's called Asphalt. Go give it a listen because it is on, it will make you freaking. Shout out. Oh, dude, it'll make you laugh so hard. Like, there's that one. There's another song that I don't know if we're, if we're going to say it on the podcast, but I mean, it's, the name is funny. You'll know it when you see it, when you go look up hot country nights. And if you get it this far into the podcast, we'll do a couple of tags for you. If you see the clips, so do hashtag, whatever your Pokemon type is, your go-to or whatever your favorite one is, whether it's grass ghost, if you're a psychic water, whatever, go do that. Cause astrology signs are for the other sides of people that we, 
This is a fun. This is the fun podcast. We're not getting into the what's my sun and moon BS because I don't even know how the hell you describe that. But if you do that, hashtag your Pokemon types, and then do hashtag Hot Country Nights, and we'll see if we can actually get that one to pop off. Because there's one song that you need to go listen to from that, and it's funnier than hell. But the song Asphalt is go. one. So, are we good on the evening, sir? Well, it seems that way. I mean, we've uh, made it through one uh, week for the last now three weeks. So three of the first four weeks in January, 2024 is off to a bang-up start, let me tell you. There we go. Hopefully we'll be able to keep it up in 2024. We seem to be doing pretty good. I know I'll have some trips coming up here for hunting purposes and have a couple of things to do, but we'll try to keep it as good and clean as possible on scheduling, which, like JC said, we've been doing a good job, but... For that, we're an hour and 30 minutes into this podcast. We think we've hopefully not wasted, but we think we've wasted enough of your time for the day. So without further ado, thank you all so much for listening. And if you guys lasted this long, like I said, hashtag on the next post, you see your Pokemon type as well as Hot Country Nights. Nights is spelled with a K-N. The silent K is in there. K-Nights. So yeah, there we go. Enjoy your K-Night or your... There's no silent word in front of day, so enjoy that. And thank you for listening to number 78 of The Covered Show, and we'll see you all later. Peace out, folks.